Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, March 8th, 2020. We're continuing our Divine Dimension series with this sermon entitled, Drenched in Oil. Somebody say, Drenched. Drenched. Man, what an exciting time to be part of LCM. Man, what an exciting time to be a part of the kingdom. We had an incredible wedding yesterday. Come on. Y'all had a good time at the wedding? We saw the heavens move upon this place right here in this sanctuary yesterday. We saw prophecies break forth in the middle of a wedding ceremony. Multiple prophecies that spoke about direction and the very lives of Gabriel and Olivia Stevens. Now, if that weren't good enough, we've had Elder Eric here for a little while. We've had him for like a whole 10 days, which feels like just a gift from the heavens. And he and Judah are sitting in Istanbul right now, waiting on a flight, catching a flight about to head on towards Romania and then Albania. So let's keep... Eric and Judah lifted up in our prayers. Church, we're in the middle of a divine dimensions series. What we're trying to say, what we're trying to instill in you, what we're trying to encourage in you is the fact that there is a reality that cannot be perceived by only your human eyes. Come on, think about Samson for a second. He saw better after he lost his eyes. Come on. He was more aware of the kingdom after he lost his eyes than before. We're not asking any of you to lose your eyes. We're saying that your eyes may be open to the things of the Spirit. That there's a different dimension that God is is calling us to. There's a different dimension that God wants us to walk in. It makes us look crazy to our neighbors. Actually, it makes us be hated by our neighbors. It makes us look crazy to our family. Why are you putting this as the emphasis of your life? Because I believe and I am walking in a different dimension. Amen. It's not just my belief. I can see something that you can't see. I'm, I'm a part of something that you're not a part of. You may not understand it, but I do. This is why Noah can build an ark for 120 years when no one else could believe in him. He was believing and walking in a different dimension. We are going to be walking in a different dimension, church. The Lord is calling us into this. It's more real than what we see, than what we hear, than what we taste, than what we touch, than what we can feel. See, this is where where our church is going is we are walking in divine dimensions. Somebody say divine dimensions. Divine dimensions. This is what we are all learning how to walk in. Let's start off for our first passage of the day in Leviticus chapter 17. Say drenched whenever you're there. For the life of a creature is in the blood. Say blood, church. Blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Last Sunday, we had Elder Eric establish a powerful foundation of understanding the importance of the sanctity of the blood. Do y'all remember the imagery of the story of his son Judah? And that blood that was on the ground. And your own hands being drenched in that blood. The Lord has given us a very visible and tangible means of understanding that we have to see in a sanctified way the importance of the life in the blood. It gets your, your attention immediately when you see it, right? Every little child, they pick on a small bobo and all of a sudden begins to bleed. Now it is time to go to the emergency room. I see red coming out of my body. It is time to go to the emergency room. 
And the understanding that God wants us to get is that blood makes atonement for your life. There's no other means by which sin can be atoned for other than the life that's in that blood. What this is establishing is the beginning of knowing how to walk in divine dimensions. There's no other way to get started. There's no other way to have your eyes open to what God's divine dimensions are than to start with the sanctity of the blood. Come on, let's carry on in Leviticus. Everybody turn back a few pages and back a few chapters to Leviticus 14. We're going to look at Leviticus 14, 14. The priest is to take some of the blood. Somebody say some of the blood. Some of the blood. Of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed. On the right thumb of his... On the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot. This is where Elder Eric led us last week. He was reminding us of the importance of the blood, of the nature that our environment is trying to lessen how important blood is. And then we saw this passage where you're supposed to take some of the blood from the, what kind of offering was it? It was a guilt offering. You know why? It's because we're guilty. It wasn't a guilt offering because uh, you, you may have made a mistake. It was a guilt offering because we stand before him guilty. Every one of us, the best of us, the most elite person ever cannot handle this and has to be under, have the understanding that they are guilty before him and they need the blood applied. But where was it applied? To the ear, to the thumb, and to the toe. By the way, in case you missed it, This is a passage about how to cleanse a leper. Mm. A person with a skin disease, noticeable to all. What a ridiculous thing to come in and and have a skin disease that you were supposed to cry out and say, hey, you got to stay away from me. Unclean. I am unclean. You cannot be by me. It may affect your life. Don't come close to me. I have a disease that you're not even allowed to come near me. I have a disease that keeps me separated from everybody. This person is supposed to go to the priest. Come on now. The person is supposed to stand before the priest and be like, hey, I need to be cleansed. Yes, I can do this. Anybody ever, uh, you know, seen a kid that was so nasty and messy you didn't want to touch him? Anybody have a little hand sanitizer that after you shake people's hands in the church, you're like, hey, man, brother, good to see you. (laughs) Can you imagine doing this for a leper? It was to show how importantly powerful the blood is. That the priest wasn't even nervous. We've laid our hands to pray for people that were like, Lord, you're either with us or we're going to die. Oh, you have tuberculosis, and you're right here in front of my yeah, face. Amen. amen. You, you just coughed Jesus. and spit on my face. That's awesome. <laughs> We've prayed for lepers in India. Laid hands on them. Because of the principle that we see here. See, there's something about the process of not actually hiding your actual state. Come on, when you come before the Lord, everybody knows you're already a leper. Don't you worry about it. You think that everybody thinks that you're perfect? I promise that ain't the case. We can all see your leprosy just fine. 
There was something about the person with leprosy coming to the priest and the priest anointing them with the blood. Without filters, without fickleness, without trying to make ourselves more presentable than we actually are. Isn't that what the Lord has been dealing with this congregation about? An exposing of sin and saying, yeah, I want to get right with the Lord. I can't hide this. I can't try to make it look good. This is not Facebook. We're not pretending like we're better than what we are. We are real, but we are before someone who can help us. See, there was even a provision in this passage for those who couldn't afford it, by the way. I can assure you, you can't afford this. You can't afford what we got. You can't afford what the Lord wants to give you, but you can't afford to live without it. See, you have to have this blood applied to you. You know what it also did? This is the passage here in Leviticus 14 that's talking about cleansing a leper. The only other person in the Bible that this system was used for was for the priest to be anointed. Y'all ready for this connection? In Leviticus 9, Leviticus 8, this is what happens. It is the same, the same right ear, right thumb, and right toe for the priest. What kind of connection do you think God is trying to help you with? He's trying to say that all y'all got leprosy, but I want you to be one of my priests. He is connecting the leprous nature with the priestly line. He's saying, I know where you started. You couldn't have been in a worse place, but I got something for you. The very same thing that will cleanse you from leprosy will make you qualified to be a priest. It is the same act that we're seeing here. That connection between the lepers and the priest. I don't know about you, but that gives me great encouragement. See, he didn't choose the priest from the elect. He chose it from the ones who'd be willing to fight even against their family to stand rightly. He chose those who would be willing to have the blood cover their own leprous conditions. Man, I'm telling you, God is going to get his nation of priests. He is going to. When he started with an entire nation of people and they failed to rightly handle the blood, he went to a tribe. When the tribe failed to rightly handle the blood, you know what he did? He went to people who would rightly handle the blood, who would rightly apply it to what they hear, that their hearing would be anointed and redeemed from the Lord, that their actions would be anointed and redeemed from the Lord, that their places that they would go would be anointed and redeemed by the Lord. See, God is going to get his group of priests, and what he wants to do is he wants to use you sitting here in this room. Priesthood is not for those who stand on a stage. It's for those who rightly handle the blood. Let's continue on in verse 15. Well, before we read this, who needs some sanctifying blood work done on their hearing? Who needs that redemptive power in the works of their hands? Who needs that restorative power in the way that you walk and follow the Lord? Amen. I want to make sure we're all covered here. Verse 13, the priests shall then take some of the log of oil. That's a lot of oil. Pour it on the, where, saints? Palm of his own left hand. Dip his right forefinger into the oil in his palm. And with his finger, sprinkle some of it before the Lord seven times. Our English translation of this word doesn't do it justice. It's not like I just kind of, you know, want to dab a little bit of salt and pepper in my eggs, you know, sprinkle, sprinkle. It means to drench. You have it, you put it in your fingers, and you are slathering it upon it. Liberally anointing that, that uh, altar seven times. The priest is to put some of the oil remaining in his palm on the lobe of the right ear. 
the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And here's the important part that we want to make sure you get. And on top of the blood of the guilt offering. Where did that oil go, church? On top of the blood. See, we don't just stop at the blood. We have to expect that there is something more as we see it written here in the Word. That then you are to take the oil and put it right on top of the blood. On the exact spot where the blood was rightly handled, the oil of His presence can then be expected to be applied on top of it. Meaning that once you have rightly approached the Lord with a guilt offering saying, yes, I'm guilty. Guilty is charged. I can then rightly receive that blood offering on my right lobe, right thumb, right big toe, and I can rightly expect the oil of the presence of God to hit those exact same areas. This is something that we're laying out as a predictable pattern. Say it with me this morning. Predictable. Predictable. Pattern. Pattern. And we say something is predictable, right? I could be holding this bottle of, let's pretend it's oil, Pastor Wade. It's water, but let's say it's oil. If I begin to hold this over Natalie Piro's head, and I get to a certain point, and I keep going, it is predictable that that oil is going to come out, right? Well, it should be equally, if not more predictable, that when you are engaging the blood of Jesus, and it is touching and restoring your hearing, it is redeeming the works of your hands, it is rightly setting foot your walk and following up the Lord, you can have a predictable pattern in that His anointing oil, His empowerment is going to be right on top of it. You ever struggled with hearing from God? Absolutely. I think everybody in this room has. The steps, the predictable pattern is, I'm going to get my ear covered in the blood so that I can expect the predictable pattern of His anointing to also touch my hearing. If you want your hands to be laid on the sick, on the dead, and see resurrection power, first let the blood of Jesus begin to touch it because the predictable pattern is that His anointing, His empowerment is going to be right there with it. But that's not where our hearts are a lot of times. God is trying to help us, encourage us, give us the confidence and the surety of what exactly His predictable pattern is. Come on, don't y'all love that pattern? I like it when the Lord lays out a pattern for us. Somebody say blood, blood. then oil. That is the pattern. Blood, blood. Then, oil. then oil. Say it again. Blood, blood. Then, oil. then oil. See, you can see this throughout the Word of God. It's liberation and then power. It's atonement, then anointing. It's Pesach, then yeah. it's Shavuot. It's Passover, then it's Pentecost. It is the pattern that the Word of God lays out for us. Yeah. You got a problem with your power? You got problem walking and overcoming sin. See, that's why that this group is basically considered a cult. You know why? Because we actually expect you to overcome your sin. Amen. We actually expect you to stand up and be able to overcome in every area that no sin should dominate you. Amen. That you are not defined by what you sin in or what you don't do. You are defined by the empowered actions that God puts in your life. That makes us a cult, folks. 
according to the world. Wait, wait, wait. You can't tell me that I gotta have, that I can have power. You, you can't, you can't tell me that I, that I've gotta be pure. You can't tell me that I can overcome. No, that's exactly what we're saying to you because it is the predictable pattern for it to be the blood then the oil. Man, what an incredible thing that Elder Eric said last week that the blood isn't for your salvation only. It is so that you can walk then and get the empowerment that you need to overcome in the areas of your life. Let's look at verse 18. The rest of the oil. Somebody say the rest. The rest. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought we already had the rest of the oil. You had the oil in the palm. Then you drenched. You drenched the altar with the oil. And then you took some of what was left and you put it on the ear, the thumb, and the toe. And then it says, now the rest of it. Wow, this is like an unending supply of oil that's going on here in, in, the, in the priest's left hand. Like, how much is this? Is this like an Elder Bosch giant paw that, that they've got out there? Oh, yeah. Probably. That, that's, that's probably what it is. Always the mark of a priest is Elder Bosch. Take the rest of the oil in the palm of the priest, and you're going to put it on the head of the one to be cleansed. Yeah. See, the idea here, the one to be cleansed and make atonement for him before the Lord. I want to tell you, folks, that there is always enough oil for you. There's always enough anointing. But, but I know, but I kind of used the anointing a little while ago. Yeah, but you got more. There's always going to be enough for it to be placed on the places that you have dedicated to Him. And after that, He's just going to put it on your mind. He's just going to put it on your emotions. He's going to put it on your heart. There's enough. Even after it's been dealt with on the guilt offering. There's enough. Even after it's been sprinkled on the altar. It's enough. There's enough to be put on your head church, there's a reason that we're called sheep. There's a reason that the Bible uses the analogy that all we like sheep have gone astray. See, because we are sheep, and I don't know if you know this, but one of the things that a shepherd would do is when a a, a little lamb would start to get troubled, the shepherd would come and pour oil upon the head of this little sheep. See, there would be flies, there'd be gnats, there'd be things buzzing around, and this poor little helpless sheep would be so troubled by small, insignificant things that it actually had more than enough power to overcome, but it didn't know it. It needed an oil to be placed upon his head so that it would not be troubled. Come on, church, are you with me? Anybody been, uh, ever been overwhelmed by the simplicity of your thoughts? Anybody get so focused on fear that you can't get out of the cycle? Anybody's so troubled, it's just buzzing around you, like, I know this is so small compared to the rest of my life. But I can't think of anything else. I can't get over the despair, Pastor. Yeah. I, I can't get over the hopelessness, Pastor. I can't get over my own fears. It's just buzzing around my head. It's buzzing. I need help. I'm troubled in my spirit. What little sheep sometimes do is to get rid of that. They will literally go. This is not a joke. They'll begin to bang their head up against hard objects. Over and over and over again. Just stop the pain. Just stop the confusion. I just, I just, I know what y'all are saying, but I, I can't do it. Church, we're here to tell you today that there is enough oil for everyone in this room today. There's enough oil for you have, for you to have your mind treated by this, for you not to be bothered by those little gnats, by those little problems that are supposed to be insignificant, but have burrowed their way into your brain and are about to kill you. You know what, Pastor? 
There's a familiar passage that we're, we all know. Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my, and I shall not, right? He leads me to still waters. It makes me lie down in. He anoints my head with oil. You know, David was a shepherd, and he related to the Lord as his shepherd. And because of that imagery of being a shepherd, he understood what it was like in times of prosperity. Isn't that still waters? Isn't that green pastures? Everything is provided for you. Everything is in abundance, and you're being nourished as you should. Well, you know what also lives among those green pastures? Flies, insects. And as the sheep would graze, they would have their nose down, being nourished. And flies will come in to the sheep's nose, plant its eggs. Over the course of time, those eggs become larvae, and they crawl into the sheep's brain. And in order to try and get that pain out of their mind, they will take their head and ram it over and over and over again into a rock to the point where they kill themselves. Does that sound familiar to some thought life that you have? That the mind that is controlled by the Spirit is life and it is peace. How do you get a mind controlled by the Spirit? You have the oil of God's Spirit on your mind. Because that's what a shepherd would do. He anoints my head with oil. They would put it right there above their nose to be a deterrent. It was a repellent to all of those flies that were seeking and looking to embed those demonic thoughts that would eventually drive their sheep to death. The Lord is giving us the answer of what it looks like to have the mind of Christ. To have that empowerment upon our thoughts that subdue everything in opposition to it. Come on, church. I'm not going to ask you if you need this today. I'm going to tell you that you yeah. need it. I'm going to take this left hand and I'm going to start to put, we're putting anointing oil on your minds, on your, on your heads today. Yeah. See, you have to have the oil. You don't, you cannot get away in this Christian life with not having the oil. See, because the more seriously you take the holiness of his blood and die to sin, the more the empowerment of his Holy Spirit, the more his anointing oil will cover you, will, will be drenched upon you so that you can receive triumph over your sin, over your thoughts, over your fears, over your worries, over your anxieties. See, you're going to get to walk in a divine dimension. But you can't do that without being drenched in the blood. And you surely can't do it without being drenched in the oil of His presence. Every one of us, not some elite group that gets to stand on a stage and have a microphone, but every one of us, every single person in this room, we're not asking you. We're telling you, you need to have the oil applied today. Yeah. You need to expect that if you rightly handle the blood, it is a predictable pattern yeah. that the oil can come and empower you to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That you can war the way you're supposed to war. You can elevate the way you're supposed to elevate. Yes. Why is it that when we teach this, people get so offended at us? Why is it that as a church, the thing that is most offensive about us, and we have a lot of things that are offensive, let's be honest. The thing that is most offensive about us is that we actually stand in the word and in the spirit. 
that we will not let it go, even if it costs us our family, even if it costs us our life, even if it costs us our job. We are just believing that when we are drenched. See, we're walking in a different dimension, church. Yeah. See, you got to get a hold of what I'm saying. Don't, don't, don't miss what we have for you today. Because just as sure as I'm telling you what you need and that the anointing oil is going to come on some of us today, the, the anointing of God wants to come on all of us today. Yeah. He wants to move in all of us today. He wants to empower all of us today. Is that your expectation? It needs to be. I mean for you personally. See, we can believe that it's going to happen in church. Man, I so believe that Pastor Matt is one of the most anointed men of God that I know. I believe that when he speaks that it is going to propel us somewhere. I can believe that. But then I can go and I can be sitting there and thinking to myself, yeah, but that's them. Well, 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 the elders, of course. I mean, we'll add them in there. Well, I mean, some of the primary disciples, but for me, for little old me. Oh, wow. See, what we're not talking about is your Sunday school experience 10 years, 20 years, 40 years ago when you got, when you first heard about the Holy Spirit. We're saying being drenched in it in a constant process so that you can be and have the victory to overcome. You know, this reminds me of. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it begins to speak on the weapons of our warfare. Because it's stating that we do not wage war as the war does, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. And before we begin to explain what that divine power looks like, how do you combat your thought life? Do you do it with the standards and the mechanisms of this world? Do you go and try to uh, neutralize your thought life with Netflix? Just zone out for a minute, man. Check out. Step back. I just need some breathing room, some time to relax, to chill. You could try and drown your depression in a sea of ice cream, one bowl at a time. But you guys are mostly on keto, so I don't expect that. It may look like a shopping spree at Dollar Tree. So you can just really not spend that much money, but you get a lot of stuff. Yeah, goodness knows that's what we all need is more <laughs> stuff, right? Well, what I'm saying is, how do you deal with the crazy? How do you deal with the thoughts that are in direct conflict with God's word? You deal with it. By having the blood and the oil applied to you. You deal with it by having the standard of God's word measuring, filtering, countering, and combating every thought inside of your mind. People say that we are crazy. We're crazy just for speaking in tongues. We're crazy just for living as radical of a lifestyle as we do because we love Jesus. You know what the word says? We're normal. Completely normal. They are the ones that are crazy. Because it is crazy to try and live this life without the anointing oil on my head. It is crazy to try and live this life without the power of the blood of Jesus on my ear, on my thumb, and on my toe. I tried it. And it is horrible. I was in a constant state of death in one way or another. I couldn't get the crazy out of my mind. 
But when the sanctifying work of the blood of Jesus and the empowerment of his spirit came on my mind, I became a completely different person. It was divine power. I mean, it's one thing. It's just power, right? We turn off the power to this building. Everything shuts down. And that can be known to happen in a wedding from time to time. And all of a sudden, things don't work as they should. But I'm talking about what, not just me, not Pastor Wade, not the elders, not just this section over here. I'm saying every single one of you have access to this divine power. Divine power that demolishes strongholds. Fortifications of thought and emotions that just won't go away. But with divine power, you can turn it into dust. Fine dust underneath your feet. We're able to demolish arguments and every pretension. An establishment to who is right in a matter. Oh, what do those inner thoughts look like? I know there's some in this room, maybe even some in my own household, who like to give in to the thought of pretension, particularly in front of a mirror in a bathroom and having a pretend argument that hasn't really taken place yet. It's a claim to who is right. And then I told them, and then they told me, and then I did this, and and I'm mad at them. It hasn't even happened. That's a true story. That's crazy. But what happens whenever you begin to tap into that divine power, you come out of your natural mind and you go into his divine mind. You begin to destroy those strongholds that have been robbing, stealing joy, peace, and confidence from you. They're robbing the nourishment of the green pastures that the Lord has been leading you to. Church, we're giving you a predictable pattern that if you take care of the blood, that the oil comes. That when you see Pesach, then you can, you can get to Shavuot. When you have Passover, you can have Pentecost. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody want to start repenting yet? Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. You think the Bible is just using hyperbole here? Or do you think that it actually means what it says? Are you anxious? If you are anxious about anything, you are not fulfilling this verse and you need the oil of God's presence to be placed on you today. Mm. If you're anxious about any pastor, that's not real. I mean, they don't really mean, no, the Bible means exactly what it says. Take it at his word. See, but it's because you don't understand the predictable pattern that God has done. You think that the blood was supposed to be applied somewhere a long time ago and you, you had somebody put a little dot on your forehead one time while you were praying and that's the oil that you needed. It is a predictable pattern that you rightly dealing with blood enables you to be empowered to deal with your situations, to be empowered to take care of your thoughts, to be empowered to take care of your heart and your attitudes. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Hey, Lord, here I am again. Here are my thoughts. They're out of control again, and I'm thankfully giving them to you so that I can rightly come and be empowered to overcome them. Yeah. And the peace of God. Somebody say peace. peace. 
the right order of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. It's almost like that anointing oil flows there, and it guards your mind. It guards your heart. It protects you. It allows you to walk in a divine dimension because you are trusting in a predictable pattern. Say that with me. Predictable pattern. It is predictable. You can trust that this is going to happen every time as you walk in it rightly. John 20, 21 and 22 says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is not Pentecost. This is prior to Pentecost. What he's enabling his disciples to do is that after three and a half years of being with him, he's empowering them to overcome by enabling them to walk in the divine dimension that he had been walking in. Receive the Holy Spirit, taking some of that oil from the the priest's palm hand and putting it right there on their mind. Well, what's it like that moment that you were born again and you received his spirit? Your spirit came alive as his spirit became one with yours. All of a sudden, you are able to see things in the word, see things in your life, see things in other people's life that you could not see before. You began to walk in the divine dimension. The parallel passage is in Luke 24 and verse 45. It says, then he opened their minds. So they could understand the scripture. Come on, you guys get, you, you, you feel what we're, we're talking to you today about? We need to have our minds rightly covered by the anointing of the oil. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 13. Say drench when you're there. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. Come on, what's it like to be free from the mastery of sin? I broke the bars of your yoke. Come on, how did he break the bars of their yoke? Through the Passover lamb. Through that blood that was shed and put over their doorpost. But it didn't stop right there. And enabled you to walk with heads held high. Come on. Well, what it must look like crossing the Red Sea, watching Pharaoh's army being drowned. That's heads held high. That what the blood of the Passover enabled them to do is see a predictable pattern of God's power delivering them from all of their enemies. I pray this morning that your minds be open to the impossible. Yeah, amen. Not to the possible, to the impossible. May we move into a Passover type heart and posture so that we can walk in a Pentecost empowerment. Do you want a Pentecost empowerment this morning? Yes. May it transform us and our nation so that the world may be enveloped in the kingdom of God and his divine dimension. Come on, you know you need to walk with your head held high, don't you? Yeah. Boy, it's easy to watch, to watch people as they walk in the doors. And when you are troubled in your mind... It's kind of this. Your head's it down. It's shaking. There's, there's the gnats that are buzzing around your mind and your, and your soul. And you're just, 
It kind of looks like that. When somebody has been empowered by the Holy Spirit, man, they are, they are eyes up, they are heads held high, and that's what God has for us today. Yeah. Colossians 3 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Come on, that's what we're trying to do today, is encouraging you to lift your mind so that it is anointed by the oil, so that you can have your head held high, that you can trust in the predictable pattern of the blood and then the oil and then what it's going to do. See, now that we've had the blood applied, now that we've had the oil put on top of our transparent sacrifice, somebody say transparent. Transparent. Now that we've had the oil applied to our thinking and our soul, we can have our heads held high, rightly looking for the heavenly pattern. That pattern was first seen in the feast. Consider the first four feasts where we learn about this predictable pattern. Think about Passover. Yeah. The beginning of the year, of the, of the religious year for the Jews. Passover or Pesach was about a revelation of your re, re, uh, relationship. Wow, that just got stuck inside my brain. A revelation about your relationship to the blood. It was the blood that was applied to the doorpost. You see, we start there because we're Gentiles. Most of us in the room. But see, if you understood this process, you would understand that you took a little baby lamb and you brought him into your house. Anybody have uh, pets at your house? Anybody have a dog? Cat? Baby fish? Gerbil? Okay. Potted plant? I don't know. Something. Yeah, that's where I'm. I'm like, yeah. What happens is you take this little animal into your house and you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to love it. You're supposed to take care of it. You're supposed to feed it. Your kids probably name it. You, you, get it, you get involved and you bring this little lamb into your home. See, your affections begin to be set towards this animal. You start realizing it has its own little personality. You start realizing some, some intricacies about this animal that's in your home. Your provisions were set forth for this animal, this innocent animal that's in your home. Your children begin to fall in love with this animal. And then what has to happen? Your revelation of your relationship to the blood comes to the forefront. And you as the father take the animal and you slaughter the animal, spilling its blood to show that the sinful nature that we have, it costs, it takes a life. Leviticus 17 spelled this out. The life is in the blood, but God gave us the blood so it could be an atonement for our sins. Our guilt offering. Our leprosy. The problems that we have, not somebody else, but they had to take it into their own home and understand the cost of blood. See, this is the first of the feast, and it was setting a predictable pattern for God's people. The second feast that followed Passover continue this responsibility. That was unleavened bread. This meant that they were having a revelation of the responsibility to the blood that they just experienced the day before. Passover was on the 14th of the first month. Unleavened bread on the 15th. And that responsibility looked like going throughout your entire home and finding any ounce of leaven, any yeast, that existed in your house. This is like us searching our hearts and making sure that there is contaminant free. There is nothing inside of us that is going to dishonor the sanctity of the blood that we just experienced. 
that God is establishing a predictable pattern in these feasts. The importance of responsibility to the blood that we have then leads us on. Think about first fruits. This is the next feast that's there. It's about a revelation of the product of the blood at work in us. It was the first fruits. Very clever title, right? You were, you were offering the very first of a harvest, trusting that there was more to come. See, we need to have some first fruits offering in this place. You know why? We can say what the Lord has already done in our lives and trust that what he is going to do, that there's more yet to come. See, I'm trusting that the blood and the oil that have been applied, I, I, I'm not all the way where I need to be, but I can see that I'm not where I was. I can start and trust that what he has done, he will continue and fulfill it in me. It is the offering of first fruits to help us to understand this process. Oh, where we started at Passover is then leading to our very next one, the fourth one, which is Pentecost. This is the moment where you receive a revelation of your empowerment because of what the work that was done in the blood. That the whole time you're going through these feasts, you're looking forward to this predictable pattern of empowerment. See, Passover comes before Pentecost because treating the blood with seriousness by executing sin, being crucified to the world, and the world being crucified to you, it creates an expectancy. Say expectancy. Expectancy. It creates an expectancy. Something that is going to happen. Going to happen. We've had a plethora of babies within our church. And when an announcement is made, like one that Cody and Wendy made this morning, that they are expecting. We are all, especially you ladies, you're looking on your calendar. Or so what exactly is that birthday going to be nine months from now? We are expecting, knowing that there's going to be a fulfillment of what was promised. Come on, how much more when we rightly treat the blood of Jesus, there has to be an expectancy of his power that's going to follow right behind it. Because when Passover is done rightly, Pentecost will always follow. Come on. Let me say that one more time. When Passover is done rightly inside your heart, Pentecost will always follow. It's not just a possibility. I mean, Pastor, it's a possibility that a meteor may land on us right now as we preach. And the power of God would still help us out. It's not just a possibility that Pentecost will follow. It is predictable. Not just possible, it's predictable. See, you are able to build expectancy by walking in the divine dimension of being drenched in his oil. Do you want to be drenched in his oil? Well, you got to throw out the idea that it's just a possibility. You have to determine and see and expect it is predictable that when I engage the blood of Jesus, I know the power of God is coming right behind it. Come on, church. That is a good word that pastor's laying out there for us. It's not just possible. It's predictable. Everybody say that with me. It's not just possible. It's It's predictable. predictable. Say it again. It's not not just just possible. possible. It's It's predictable. predictable. See, this is the thing that we have to get to today. What are your expectations, church? Oh, we we expect God to move in our church. Yeah, but do you expect God to move in you? Mm. Oh, we expect God to move in, in, in Nick Aragina. What a mighty man of God. Yeah, you're right. But do you expect it to, do you expect the Lord to move in you? See, it's possible that the Lord may move in Nick, but we want you to be able to predict that it's going to, that the Lord is going to move in you. Yes. 
Come on, that is a way different way for the people in this room to think. I'm praying that those of you who are watching are getting, getting encouraged, but I'm a pastor of this group. I'm preaching to you in this room today. Amen. Oh, it's possible, man. We're, we're believing for a good service. What does it look like? Are you expecting the pastors and elders and lead disciples to be the ones drenched in oil, hearing the words from heaven, overcoming every area of sin in their lives? Or are you predicting about how it's going to happen in your life? Amen. Are you expecting the same level of pastoring in your home with your wife and your kids that the leaders have? Mm. See, that is what is predictable. You know how we can say that's predictable? Because we've learned the pattern. We have the divine pattern, the divine predictable pattern that what we have done, you can do as well. Are are y'all with me? I hope I'm making sense because y'all are looking at me. Uh, here's a good here's a good phrase for this one's just for Tom Tom and Martha. Y'all look at me like a cow looks at a new gate. <laughs> See, you may understand the concept, but I'm telling you, most of us come into church and in your personal life, in in where you where you are in your everyday life, when you're driving around, when you're going to work inside of your home, you're thinking that it's possible that God is going to move, but you have no actual basis for the predictability of what he wants to do in you. You can trust that he's going to empower you. You can trust that he's going to be with you. You can trust that he's going to drench you in his oil. You're still not hearing me today. You are not hearing me today. You still think it's possible that God may move. Because you know how I know this? Because you still get depressed. You think it's possible that God may help you out. You know how I know that you're still thinking it's possible? Because you're looking to go somewhere else. You're looking to engage with something else. If only I could do this, then God's presence can be with me. Where can you go where his presence isn't with you? Nowhere. Go to the highest Nowhere. mountain. Go to the lowest valley. God's presence is with you. But see, you don't really think that's predictable. You just think it's possible. It is more than possible. This church has been built on the idea that it is predictable to have God move in your yes. life. Yes. Pastor, we, I just don't believe we can make God. I'm not telling you that you're going to make God do anything. But he has laid out a predictable pattern so that you can follow it. And when you follow it wholeheartedly, he will engage in your life. He will help you. You think that just because you don't get the help today, that moves it into a possible category? It's still predictable. It took 50 days for Pentecost to get there, folks. But they knew it was coming. Yeah. They can trust in that every single year that the predictability of Pentecost always follows Passover. One of the things our church is built on is having a heart for the nations. Mission trips. I remember those early years of heading to Mexico. Making that seven hour long one way drive. And you could tell whenever we were getting close to the border. Because everybody's prayer life started to get right. We went from cracking jokes and watching little YouTube video clips to shouting in tongues, crying out for the name of Jesus to cover us in his blood so the cartel wouldn't have their way with us. It's true. And see, once we crossed that border, all of a sudden we had a different mindset that we were here on a mission. We were ready to do God's will as opposed to 30 minutes earlier on the other side of the border. 
Now, now you feeling me? Some of you in this room, I know, I've been on mission trips with you. You are 10 times the man or woman of God you are on the mission field than you are at home. And it's because you are, your mindset is here at home, it's possible God may use me. You know, if God really wants to, he's sovereign, his power can move. I'll just, I'm not going to get in his way. No, not at all. There's no difference between who you are here or who you are there. What you do at home is what you do on the mission field. It's just that you have a more singular focus. You're not having to get up and go to work every day when you're halfway across the world. You're not being distracted with all the normal procedures of your own life. But the same power is predictable here just as much as it was there. Amen. That same power is predictable here when you go to work, when you do your normal actions, because we serve the same God who exists all around this whole planet. There is no place that he is not. This is part of walking in that divine dimension. So if I called Devlin to come up here and say, I want you to lay your hands on this person that is sick, and I want to see God's power work through you, I can know with an accuracy and prediction that 100%, if he's covered in the blood, I don't expect the oil to flow right through him. That goes for every single person in this room. Please do not shun or put off the responsibility that God has to use you and use you here, now, in this place, in your home, on your turf, on your domain. Because when you go on the mission field, all you're doing is joining somebody else in their normative way of life. It's a prediction there as much as it is here. Turn with us to Hebrews chapter 11. Church, we're going to get this. We're going to get this as a church. We're going to get that there's a divine dimension that we're supposed to be walking in. And it comes from us being drenched in oil. You know what happens on the mission field? You actually understand the predictable pattern. You've made the sacrifices. You, you've been in prayer. Now you're going. You financially sacrificed. You took off of work. You left your family. You're doing something predictable. And you expect God to move. Well, that's what we're saying you should do every day. There is no more. There is no specialness of a building. It is just God's presence that is at work in your life. You don't go somewhere to become more holy. You walk in holiness and find that His power is with you. Hebrews 11.39 says, These were all commended for their faith. By the way, Hebrews 11 is not a special class of people. It is not a hall of fame. It is the minimum requirement of those of us who walk in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. LCM is not special forces. Well, you know, we're working on it. LCM is the normative Christian experience. Amen. Yes, see if you catch that. We're just trying to be normal. We're trying to be normal in the kingdom. And you know what that takes? Being normal in the kingdom isn't a few people. It's all of us doing it. Amen. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them had received what was promised. Abraham, Moses, Enoch, Isaac, Jacob, 
Barak, David, Samson, Jephthah. All the way through people conquering kingdoms, subduing their enemies, raising the dead. These were all commended, for not, but they had not received what was promised. God had planned something better. Somebody say better. Better. For us, so that only together with us would they be perfected. How do you know that Hebrews 11 is not a hall of fame? It's because it requires us to engage in it or they don't get what they were promised. Yeah. This is normal Christianity. These men of faith from the past had the expectation that they built their entire existence upon and that that would complete the Lord's will in our day, today, in our lives. This is how it must be carried on as we expect, we predict that if we've got the blood, then the oil will come. And that empowers us to live in a way that is different than everyone else because they're living in a different dimension from us. Let's just be real. We are living in the real dimension. We are living in the divine dimension and everything else is just trying to make judgment against you. Do you need to be in a special place to feel holy? You should literally be able to walk anywhere. You should. Anybody ever been in your car and the Lord just hits you and you're just crying as you're driving somewhere? You Got to stop and pull over because for whatever reason, the Lord just made his presence manifest to you. Yeah. Guess what? His presence is in your car with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Come on now, church. Let's turn to first Corinthians chapter 14. Come on, Susanna. Say drenched whenever you're there. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. There has to be an expectation of the predictable. I'm I'm saying in this church, to this body, to you, there has to be an increase in expectancy of the predictable, what God can do through you. That means I want Marlon. I want Paul. I want Ibrahim, I want Cho, I want Assad, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Go after them. Hunger for them. Paul, Lynette, those guys who have been with us for just about a year, I'm saying eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Because it demonstrates a hope and expectation that if I pursue this, it is predictable that his spirit is going to move through me. Don't wait to have it 100% right on the inside before you take steps of faith on the outside. He's not going to give you a prophetic word in a paragraph all at once before you say the first word. He'll probably give you one, if not two or three words, and it requires you to step out in faith in a predictable manner, knowing that he is going to give you the rest as you begin to speak. Are you going to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Amen. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6 says that he has made us to be a kingdom and priest. Somebody say kingdom. Kingdom. And priests. This is what we were made for, to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We are expected. We are created. We are predicted to be a kingdom and priests. That means that we get to be a kingdom of priests. Yeah. This is what we are supposed to be empowered by a spirit, trusting in the predictable pattern that God has laid out for us. This is something that the early disciples were longing for. In Acts 1, 6, it says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
They were expecting a full restoration of the kingdom of God to the nation of Israel. You can only, you can only expect the kingdom after you have the kingdom manifest in your own life. Right? You can only expect something after you experienced it. Meaning that there is first the blood. And then we can expect the predictable pattern of the oil to follow. The kingdom of God to come right here on earth as it is in heaven. Church, turn with us to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. Now we are about to get on a blazing pace here, so you're going to need to keep up. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. I got I to gotta tell you that there's an expectancy that's building in my spirit right now. I feel like I'm about to go into an arena and fight somebody. I feel, I feel my muscles tensing. I, I feel this, this increase in my heart. You know why? Because I can feel that God is building an expectancy in this room. I can feel that God wants to do something for us. Philippians 1.20 says, I eagerly expect and hope. See, that's what we, we need to start working towards here, is that we're going to eagerly expect and hope that we will in no way be ashamed. We will no way. If you try this pattern, you're not going to be ashamed, Alicia. I promise you this pattern is going to work. I promise you that it's going to work, Ray. That the Lord is going to move in us, Keith and Floor, in a way that we can trust in. Spencer, that as you walk in this pattern, you don't have to be afraid of being ashamed. But you can eagerly expect and hope. Let's see what the pattern has been from the very beginning. The very first one that came to mind is Moses. Moses in the Red Sea in in the book of Exodus. They... He is an archetype. He is something that is typifying what this predictable pattern looks like. And that through him and his experience with the nation of Israel, we have that original uh, Passover that then leads to Pentecost. That they learn how to rightly deal with the blood for each individual household. Right? Each household had to have that blood painted on their door in order for death to pass over that house. And they could expect from that point forward that God's power would deliver them through the Red Sea. What that then led to is establishing for generations to come, and us even right now, a predictable pattern of how victorious power begins to fill our lives as we rightly deal with the blood. Well, having that moment at the altar in response to God convicting your heart of something, and you're coming down here, or you're maybe even in your own bedroom, and God is moving on you, and you cry out for that blood to be put upon your sin, you can then expect the victorious power, that same power that walked Israel through the Red Sea, to help you walk through the impossibility. There has to be a level of expectation. Consider the next generation with Joshua. Joshua has been empowered as the leader, an anointed mighty man of God that the Lord says himself that he is with Joshua. Joshua leads them, but what do they have to get to? They have to get to Gilgal, folks. They have to get to the marking of the blood. They have to rightly deal with this. They have to rightly deal with circumcision, the blood of the sacrifice, an indelible mark in their life. But what happens after Gilgal? You get Jericho. See, if you handle your Gilgal, then you get the empowerment of, of, of the Pentecost. If you handle Passover, you can trust in the predictable pattern. Church, it's not possible. It's not just possible. It's predictable that after you've been drenched in the blood, that you get to be drenched in the oil of victory. That after you have rightly dealt with one thing in your life, you can move in power to the next. 
You are not bound in one step. You do not stay at the altar. Jesus Christ did not stay on the cross. He rose from the dead. There is power after you rightly deal with this. Church, it is not just possible. It is predictable as you pursue the divine dimension. Look, there is predictable power in Elijah facing the prophets of Baal. Oh, this is a story that we love, that he built an altar. He began to sacrifice on it. He even went a step further and lavished water all over it. There was a predictable power that he could see and that he was obedient to what God told him to do through the right sacrifice. And it was just a matter of time until God's power was displayed from heaven, consuming that altar. Oh, he looked at the prophets of Baal. Yeah, go ahead, cut yourselves. Go ahead, writhe in pain, call out to your God. Maybe he's using the bathroom or something. But I know that I'm making the right sacrifice to God. And it's a predictable pattern that when I'm making the right sacrifice, I'm going to have heavenly power on my side. Come on, this is a predictable pattern for men and women. Consider Ruth for a minute. Come on, what a beautiful story. We just finished with a wedding, a love story yesterday. By the way, did anybody even feel like they were in the room when those two were looking at each other? Like, this is awkward. This, wow, there is literally no one else around. You could be standing close and they did not care. Did not care about you. I can assure you that. That's what desire looks like. That's what longing looks like. Are you as in love with Jesus today as they were with each other yesterday? See, If you've rightly understood what Jesus Christ did and you've been drenched in his blood, you can predict, you can expect that he will move upon you. When you consider Ruth, she sacrificed everything that she was, whoever she was, her family, her people, her land. It didn't matter anymore. She said, where you go, I'm going to go. Your God is going to be my God. Your people, I give it all up. I lay it all down before the Lord. I am fully committed to this. But because of her sacrifice, she finds the oil of the presence of God. She finds a kinsman redeemer. She finds purpose in her life. And she comes what? She becomes part of the lineage of the Messiah. She becomes a grandmother of King David himself. This woman who should have been outcast was brought near because she understood and rightly dealt with the blood and was able to walk in the power of the oil of God's presence. She was drenched in it. Yes, she was. The aroma from her life was so sweet and so beautiful because she was drenched in the oil of God's victory. There's another woman in in the book of Mark that had an issue of blood. And she saw Jesus in a crowd. Putting her own life at risk, she pressed through the crowd. Because any woman with her condition was unclean. And by pressing into the the, the crowd... She was making everyone else unclean, but she didn't care anymore. She reached out and touched the tzitzit of Jesus' garment, the hem, that corner tassel, representing his divine authority. And by reaching out in faith at the own peril of her death, immediately her issue with blood stopped and was healed. She was longing for that divine power to be displayed in her body. And she made the sacrifice of herself to go pursue it. She reached out at her own detriment 
but she knew where that source of oil resided. And it's a predictable pattern for us that when we see that we are pursuing Jesus, even if it costs us our life, I can expect his power to be right there with me. It can heal my diseases. It can cure anything that is opposed to my natural body. It can even set my mind right, take me from crazy to being wise and full of the Holy Ghost. Then all I need to do is reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And I know that I will be drenched with his oil. I will be covered with that empowerment from heaven. And nothing can stop me. And I will be clean. Because that oil was meant for priests. But you remember, it was also meant for lepers. It was made to cure and made to purify those that could approach the living God. Church, consider Revelation and the two witnesses. These men were empowered by the heavens, but they had to give their life. They gave their life as a sacrifice, but what happened? They walked in the oil. They were drenched in the blood, but three days later they rose. The entire world saw them rise in power. The entire world saw what they did. See, this is not just a possibility. From the beginning of the word all the way throughout the end of the word, those who stand firm, who do not love their life even unto death, who have a word of their testimony from the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, the blood and the oil anointed upon their mind and their words, they are able to be empowered from the heavens. Not even death can stop them from answering the call that God has. Church, this is what God is moving on us in today. This is what he is saying to us. It's not just possible. It is a predictable pattern as we go after the divine dimensions that he has for us. This is clearly seen in Romans 4.20. Turn with me there. I want you guys to read this. Get it deep down in your soul. This predictable pattern of God's power. Speaking of Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being how persuaded, saints? Come on, say it with me. How persuaded was he? It's like he was expecting a predictable pattern that was being established. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. If that is true for Abraham, guess who else it's true for? You, me, everyone who wants to come under the blood of Jesus can expect the power, the predictable pattern that is to be established. That is why it is, was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. What do you need cleansed in your heart? What do you need purified in your mind? Begin to draw near to the Lord and let His blood purify and sanctify because there's a predictable pattern of His power that's going to be right there for you. It'll be able to justify you before the living God. That's so much greater than any president or king you could stand before. That you are justified before the living God. Church, it is time. It's time. It's time to put an end to your own panicky premonitions. About the power of our prevailing God. 
we must perpetually pursue God's predictable presence working pervasively in our own life. See, when you're receiving from his divine dimensions, it should be a predictable product in your life because it is a predictable pattern in the life of a believer. I don't know how much more we could say that today. Uh, I don't know how much more we can try to ingrain that into you today. What does that mean for you, though? It means you've got to pursue his presence. You can expect God to move on your behalf in a daily fashion, in an ongoing way, that those things that have overcome you do not have to overcome you. Deal with the blood. Be drenched in the blood so that you can be drenched in the oil. You've got to pursue this. You've got to be. You've got to expect that His power, empowerment will be manifest in your life. Luke 9 shows us this. We're not going to teach it. You don't even need to turn to it. Luke 9 shows us that the priest rightly handled the blood, and you know what happened? Fire fell from heaven. Yeah. When you look, that is at the tabernacle. What happens at the, the dedication of the temple? The exact same, same thing. thing. Made sacrifice, made sacrifice, made sacrifice. And you know what happened? God answered with fire. Yeah. They were drenched in the blood so that they could be drenched in the oil. Their entire life changed. And you know what happened? The fire fell. The fire falls when you give yourself fully to Him. The fire falls when your sins are forgiven under His blood. The fire falls when you are asking Him to move upon you. It is predictable. It is more predictable than the sun rising. It is more predictable than anything that you can imagine when you actually pursue Him. What we're going to do today is begin to pursue Him. We're going to begin to trust. I'm laying it out there for you. I'm laying it out there for you. You let your expectation rise in this moment. This is the pattern. Let's, we're going to get the chance to prove Him right here in a minute. As Peyton and the team comes forward, we're going to give God a chance to be proven right that His pattern from the beginning when you rightly take care of the blood. Our time during the first worship service was to get our hearts right. You heard us crying out for that. You heard us lifting that up to you. Let's take communion. Let's get our hearts right. You know why? Because we are predicting that God is about to move in our midst. We are predicting that what you need is what He's going to give you today. How is it possible that we know what you need? I don't. But He does. But I can tell you there's still enough oil. I can feel His oil on my hands. I can feel it on my mind. I can feel it right here on my ear. Right on my thumb. Right. I can feel His presence here today. The question is, are you going to have the expectancy to trust in the predictable pattern of His divine dimension? Are you going to have what, it, what you need to be able to step forward and go, you know that thing that I haven't been able to get right in my home? You know that thing that I haven't been able to get right in my heart? Today, His power can do this for us. Today. Right now. See, and then we're not just going to get up from the altar. We're going to have our heads held high for sure. But the point of this is we're going to do it today and you can predict that it can happen tomorrow if you do the same thing. Because there's nothing more anointed about these stairs. There's nothing more anointed about this carpet or this flooring than in your house, than in your car, than in your home. My God, we just come in and think it's possible. Church, it's predictable. Stand to your feet as Pastor Matt takes over.
You know, it's clear in Acts, Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received power. And he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. They were covered in his blood. Now they were told to wait. And as they waited in that upper room, they had to have a level of expectancy. But it required them to pursue. I want us to have that same attitude. What is it in your heart that's preventing you from pursuing that predictable pattern? What is it that needs to be cast off so that you can begin to move one foot in front of the other, taking steps of faith, saying, yes, I know God wants to use me. He can use me. It's a predictable pattern that his blood is upon me, and thereby I'm expecting his power to move through me. And not just for this service. I'm talking about tomorrow, the next day, the next day. I need God's power to move through me. So what we're initiating right here is a pursuit that never stops. It's initiating that hunger and thirst for that drenching of oil that's to be on top of the blood that we experience. So as we worship, begin to pursue. Make your way down to the altar asking the Lord to help you remove those obstacles. Then begin to walk in power. Hold your heads up high as he drenches you with his oil. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your blood that cleanses and washes us and enables us to stand here rightly in front of you, face to face with your presence. We ask that Lord drench us drench us with your oil. We're pursuing to be drenched in your oil. Empower your saints right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, the areas where they are struggling, the areas where they feel weak and they cannot conquer that fear, they cannot conquer that self-sufficiency. Right now, in the name of Jesus, let your oil fall on top of the blood. Let your power begin to fill them, Jesus.